guys. Welcome back to this week's podcast episode. So this past week was a pretty mellow week for me. Um, I had Monday off of work because of Labor Day. So I just ended up doing a few things around the house, um, doing some organizing. My boyfriend and I actually started our basement renovation. It's kind of been like ongoing for a few months now. Um, we had purchased material a few months back and it was back ordered for quite some time. Then spring came along and we wanted to work on stuff outside instead of being stuck in a basement and just, you know, staying inside and not getting to experience the, uh, the nice weather outside. So we kind of put that on hold. Now we finally started working on it again. And honestly, so far it's looking really, really good. I'm really excited to see what it's going to look like when it's all done. Um, I'm kind of trying to go with like a moody type of vibe. So like dark colors, maybe some funky signs and maybe a funky couch color or something like that. So I'm super excited to see what it's going to look like. Um, so yeah, that was my week. Um, I had a pretty busy work week. But other than that, nothing really special has been going on. So yeah, that's just my little life update. Um, what I wanted to discuss in this week's podcast episode was finances. So anything from financial tips, things that I do, things that I've heard other people do that seem to work for them. Finances is just like a super big and interesting topic to me. Um, my mom has always been super open with finances. She always taught us as much as she could about finances and taught us the importance of saving, the importance of retirement funds, and just paying yourself first. So that's really where my love of finances came from. I really actually even love like tracking my own finances, seeing where my money's going. I like seeing how your money can work for you. Um, it's just a super big part of my life because I feel like when you're not necessarily financially stable, but financially aware Life is just a little bit easier. You don't need to make a ton of money to be happy in life, but knowing where your money's going and what's coming out of your account on which day and making sure that you're not overspending in different areas of your life is really soothing and it makes you feel like you have more control over your life. So that is what I'm going to be discussing today. So the first point, the first financial tip that I have for you guys is pay yourself first. Whether it be putting money towards your goals or savings accounts or investments, anytime you get paid, put a set amount of money aside. Whatever amount of money you decide to put aside, make sure that you're doing that every single week. And by doing this, like as soon as you get paid, you're less likely to consider spending that money elsewhere. So if let's just say, for example, you get paid $1,000 a week, you say, I want to put $200 aside to pay my rent, to pay for my groceries, to pay for my utilities and my entertainment. That is $200 that is now technically reserved for something else. So you'll be less likely to spend the money. So that's really my number one tip that I you know, tend to follow every single week. So that's something that I would suggest that you do too. My second point is to get a credit card. <laughs> I know that credit cards are a really touchy subject, um, and if any of you are Dave Ramsey fans, you'll know that he's entirely against them. He's very black and white on them. There's no gray zone. There's no in-between. My boyfriend and I treat our credit card as a debit card. So if we don't have money to spend in our account, then we just won't spend on our credit card. 
Um, what I love about credit cards are the point system. So to me, that's what makes them entirely worth it. Obviously, building a credit score too is, um, you know, a big reason why a lot of people have credit cards. But our our um, credit score is actually really, really good already. So we just have it for the point system. My mom and I spent countless hours researching which credit card was the best like years ago. We ended up coming up with PC Financial MasterCard. So we don't want to pay annual fees because why pay annual fees? There's literally no need unless you want like a a credit card that's good for getting points for traveling or something like that. And you're like an avid traveler, then like go ahead. But for me, there was literally no point. So the PC Financial MasterCard has no annual fees and has the best point system that we found. Um, the points that you get from that can be redeemed at um, a grocery store. They're redeemed at Loblaws, like Maxi and stuff like that in Canada. And um, you can also redeem them at Pharmapri, which is a um, it's a drugstore. So you can, I mean, like there's everything there. There's shampoo, there's hair products, there's like anything. There's even food there. So just in 2020 alone, I was looking back on my spreadsheet where I keep like all of my, my points details. I was able to redeem $750 in groceries just by having this credit card and paying for things that I would typically usually pay for anyways, like my electricity bill, um, internet, TV, or even like putting gas in my car or just like paying for groceries. So $750 of free groceries. I mean, that was like, I don't know how many months is that? That's, I would probably say like two months worth of food if I'm being like reasonable. Yeah, about two months worth of food. So what we usually do is we will use those points come like summer vacation, like when we're on holidays or during Christmas when you know that you're going to have a bunch of people over and you just like stock up on different things or like specialty items that you don't usually get. So I really, really love this credit card for me. I mean, it's been great. And like I said, we treat it as a debit card, so we're not overspending. So I am definitely a credit card fan. My third point is to sell old items on Marketplace. Um, my boyfriend's always been super big on Marketplace, uh, but in the past year, I've really started taking a liking to it too. Sometimes we randomly go through like closets or storage boxes in the basement and we find, find items that we haven't used in like over a year. So if we haven't used it in over a year, the chances that we're going to use it are very, very slim. So we like to list it on Marketplace. It takes 30 seconds and typically like the items sell very fast. So I mean, I love it. Um, I know that Kijiji was like a very popular way of selling items in Canada at least. Um, but marketplace is just like so far like surpassed that now and it's just so easy to list things on there and why not get a couple of dollars for something if you're not using it? We just love it. Like I really, really love marketplace. So my next point is buying and selling items. This point kind of goes with my last one, um, like uh, about selling stuff on marketplace. But once in a while we find items that are selling for like next to nothing on marketplace even though we know that they're worth so much more. So what we'll do is we'll purchase them and then we'll resell them. I'm not saying just go and purchase anything if you don't know the value of the item that you're looking at. But if you know like a certain type of product, if you're into a certain type of thing like collecting or you're just like, I don't know, maybe even like a big car fan, like if you see something that's selling and you know what the true value of it is, 
don't be afraid to purchase it. Like it'll be an investment in the long term. So just purchase it, repost it on Marketplace, and chances are it'll be gone within a few days. We've also even purchased like old painter's ladders. And like while they're in not so good of shape look-wise, I like to paint them and then stage them afterwards and put blankets on them and uh, little lights on them for to sell them as like blanket ladders. And sometimes we've even sold them for like three times the price that we initially paid for them. Honestly, it's, it's great. And it's a fun little hobby at the same time. The next point I want to talk about is not being afraid to invest in an RRSP or TFSA. So those are accounts in Canada. Um, In the U.S. it would be an IRA, so a registered retirement fund. My mom always taught us how important investing was. So right when I turned 18 years old, we went to the bank together. I opened up a retirement account and I haven't looked back since. I don't have a fortune in it. But since about 2014, um, I was just looking at this before, my rate of return has been 6.88%. Some years are better than others, but on average, my rate of return is 6.88. Albeit, I have um, investments in very conservative accounts. Um, I'm not trying to risk the money and play a gambling game. It's really money that I want to keep safe for my future. So... I definitely don't have a ton of money in there, but 6.88% is so much better than the possible 1% interest that you can get on a so-called high interest savings account. I mean, the interest rates that are being offered right now are so incredibly low. So I just think it's a really great place to put your money. Um, Some people are afraid of having the money being invested in the stock market, but if you're keeping your money conservative, then the risk of you losing money is low. I'm not going to say it's not there. I don't want to, you know, convince people to put money in the stock market and then they just end up losing a bunch. But the risk is pretty low. And it's a way to guarantee that you're going to have money for when you retire. A lot of people think that it's like so far off. But I mean, I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. Now I'm 27. And I mean, 18 years old feels like yesterday like time passes by so fast so it's just a good thing to start doing this young point number six is to take advantage of employer retirement funds Um, not all employers offer a form of retirement plans but if your employer does and they match a percentage of what you invest or they match to the totality of what you invest just take advantage like there's no like There's no downside to doing so. There's no con to doing so. It's literally free money. Um, At my work, we have an amazing employer contribution retirement fund, as well as a savings account that our employer contributes to. I actually know someone who doesn't take advantage of the savings plan just because they haven't gotten around to signing up for it. But the way that I see it is like every week that you don't sign up for it is a week that goes by that you're literally throwing your money out the window If you don't know what a employer retirement fund is, is basically, let's say I want to um, invest 5% of my yearly salary into my retirement fund. Some employers will match one, two, 3% or match 
100% of what you're matching or what you're investing, I mean. And I mean, that's money that is like separate from your salary. It's money that they're just like giving you. So why not do it? I mean, everybody likes free money. So I think it's one of the best ways to save your money. My next point is to have open and honest conversations about money with your significant other. My boyfriend and I have lived together for about two years now. Before moving in together, we discussed how we wanted to manage our finances, like all the ins and outs of it. And I'm so happy that we did that before moving in together. I have to say that our views on finances weren't always the same because our upbringing was totally different. Um, His parents didn't really talk about finances with him that much where mine did. So there was a little bit of a learning curve there, but my boyfriend was super receptive to what I had to say. And I honestly, like now I think that we're hundred percent on the same page with our finances. And I think that having financial intimacy is something that will make you feel so close to your significant other. I highly suggest that you discuss things like this. Like, do you want to have a joint bank account? Um, how much do you want to spend on all different categories of life? My interests and his interests are obviously different. So I like to allocate a certain amount of money to my interests while he likes to allocate a certain amount of money to his interests. But as long as you're on the same page, it doesn't matter what interest this money is going to as long as you're saving an appropriate amount and the other person, well, that you're both ultimately happy. Um, Having financial intimacy is definitely a super important thing in life because so many couples will get divorced over financial reasons. Like I honestly couldn't imagine being with somebody who wasn't good with their finances. Like I am so lucky to be with somebody who they're very aware of their finances. They're very aware of where their money is going and they have the same financial goals as me. It just makes things so much easier. Number eight is to keep items in your cart for 24 hours. This is a tactic that I adopted last year, and I have to say it really helps me curb my spending. I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say that late night shop, uh, late night Amazon shopping sessions are a thing, and sometimes we don't make the best choices late at night. So if I'm shopping late at night, or even if I'm shopping during the day, I tell myself, okay, I'm leaving this item in my cart for the next 24 hours. I'll come back to it the next day and decide if I really want it or not. Probably 50% of the time, I just delete it and move on. So That's really been a big money saver for me. Number nine is to spend within your budget. My biggest fear before buying a house was being house poor. I never wanted to buy a house that was so out of my budget that it's all I could afford to pay for. I always told myself I'd rather start off small, um, getting a smaller starter home and still being able to enjoy life without every penny going towards your mortgage. There is such a thing as being house poor where Like when you go get pre-approved at the bank, they'll tell you what you can afford for your mortgage. So let's just say they tell you you can afford $300,000. People will literally go and spend the $300,000. But the $300,000, what people don't realize is that that takes into account like cost of living. There's like an average amount that's, that's put into that amount for groceries, for insurance, for cars, this and that. So it's not $300,000 of home that you can afford. It's basically a $300,000 like life. So just everything else that comes with living. Um, I know that when we got pre-approved, we probably ended up spending, I would say 
50 or 60% of what we were pre-approved for in our house. And I think that that's the perfect ratio because we're still able to put money into savings now. We're still able to go to the restaurant and enjoy life. Um, I think that people really need to be careful with how much house you're buying because then you could just end up being house poor and you literally can't do anything else because you have no money to do so or you just go into debt. Number 10 is to make extra payments towards your house, especially in the beginning. So when you first buy your home, that's obviously when you owe the most on it. So let's just say once again, your house is $300,000. You have an interest rate of 3%. Every single week that goes by, you have something that's called compound interest that adds up. So at the very beginning of your mortgage, you're paying way more in interest than you will be obviously towards the end of your mortgage when you have $10,000 left to pay. So um, one of my tips is doubling up on your payments if you can, or even making one extra payment a month. And by doing that, you'll cut down your interest drastically. If I remember correctly, the interest that we were going to pay over the course of our mortgage was something along the lines of like, $90,000. So that's like $90,000 that you'll never get back. Um, to me, that's just crazy. But you know, obviously, not many people can buy a house in cash. So you kind of have to put up with that. Um, number 11 is don't be afraid to get into real estate. Um, if this past year was any indication of how worthwhile being in real estate is, then I definitely wouldn't hesitate. Um, in my previous point, I discussed making extra mortgage payments, but we actually decided to go another route. So we decided to go the real estate, the real estate route. We have been, instead of putting more money towards our mortgage, we're taking the money that we would put towards our mortgage and putting it in a separate savings account so that in the next year or two years, we can buy an apartment building and we can have that investment coming back to us every single month from our renters. Um, we did all the calculations before deciding to go this route and found that the revenue we would make from renting out apartments would far surpass the amount of interest we'd be paying over the course of our mortgage. So that is one of our future plans and something that I am super excited about. My next point is to go through all of your bills once a year and see where you can cut. My mom and I have this tradition that every single Black Friday, we'll log on to our um, cell phone provider's website and we look at all the Black Friday deals that are being offered. Probably every year for the past six years, we were able to find better deals than what we already had. So I just switch my, my plan over and get a cheaper price. Same thing goes for like insurance policies. Um, get quotes with other insurance providers every year or every two years and see if you can't reduce your payments while keeping the same coverage. My boyfriend actually did that. When we moved in together, I was dealing with one insurance provider. He was dealing with another. And just for fun one day, I called mine and I was like, hey, um, he has this type of car. Like, what would the rate be for that? Honestly, like the, it was cut in half. Like he was paying double with his previous insurance provider. So right away we switched over and it was the same coverage and everything. So it was super worth it. Point number 13 is you don't need to buy everything brand new. Although both of us um, have fairly new cars, one is a 2017 and one's a 2018. My car has been paid off for the better part of a year. And I frequently get calls from the dealership asking me to come in and try the new model Civic because I have a Civic 
2017. I could easily drive over to the dealership and pick out a brand new car with all the bells and whistles, but that's just not my priority right now. If cars are your priority, then by all means, put your money towards that. But you need to know your priorities and not just be drawn into all the new shiny toys all the time. Like it's so easy just to spend and spend and spend. But right now we're both happy with where we are in life. In our household, we only have one car payment. Um, so it's just it's just ideal for us right now. Cars aren't our priority. Our cars still work. Um, maybe one day we'll want to switch. Like if we have kids one day, then I might want to get a bigger car. But right now, like it just works perfectly fine. So you don't need to always buy the newest and best thing. Point number 14 is a side hustle. Um, I know it's controversial. Um, people like spending quality family time at home. They don't necessarily always want to be working. But at this particular time in my life, we don't have kids. We don't have any huge responsibi responsibilities other than work. So we're really just taking advantage of side hustle opportunities. Um, for a bit of context, I left my previous job in January of 2020 to move on to a new job. Um, I had higher pay. I was closer to home. They have really good advantages there. But I was actually able to be kept on as a consultant for my previous job. So I've been doing that for a year and nine months now. And it's really a bit of godsend. I'm able to do my um, consultant work, I guess, fully at home and make some extra money to put towards our dream of having an investment property. My boyfriend has also started recently um, a car detailing business. He's always loved detailing cars, so he's putting his passion to good use. The last piece of advice that I have is something that I've heard a lot about, but I don't actually do this in my daily life. I have thought about it a couple of times, but in the end, I just realized it wasn't for me. It's living off of only one person's income. If you're in a committed and long-term relationship and you're planning on making a life together, you could think about living off of only one person's income. So you live off of one person's paycheck and the other person's paycheck, you save it entirely. So you can save it to put a down payment on a home. You can save it for any type of investment money. Um, do with it what you want. But a lot of people have done this and it has worked for a lot of people. I think that Dave Ramsey highly supports this idea. So if you're interested on hearing a bit more about it, you can check out his podcast on YouTube. Um, he gives super good financial advice, sometimes very black and white, but all in all, very good financial advice. And um, that's a tactic that he recommends highly. So guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Like I said, I love talking about finances. I love everything about it. And I love just being able to have open and honest conversations with you guys. And I'm happy for anybody that tunes in. And I really, really appreciate it. I would love if you guys would subscribe or leave a comment or anything just so that I know that you're listening. And if you could tell me like what your favorite part of the podcast was, if there's any other things that you would like me to talk about, I would really, really appreciate it. This has been a super fun experience for me. And I'm really excited to be recording these episodes and getting to talk to you guys. So I will 
see you guys in another two weeks. And until then, bye, guys.